Hey friends, Dave Hagan here. What do Ben Franklin, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Oprah Winfrey, and Jack Ma all have in common? That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hey, thanks, Nick. We're here at Uncle Studios in beautiful downtown Van Nuys. We've got Nick Capella, our announcer, with us, and Brian Reed. Fellas, thanks for coming in. Always good to be here, Dave. Today's the second of two podcasts about being mindful and purposeful. Last week, we talked about our internal motors and focused on a quote from Seth Godin who said, somebody's driving. It's either you going where you choose or someone else pushing you. We talked about using our own internal motors and being mindful about setting your own agenda as opposed to someone else having it set for us. Today, I want to talk about a recent article from Entrepreneur Magazine that talks about something called the five-hour rule. So what do Ben Franklin, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Oprah Winfrey, and Jack Ma all have in common? They are all or were amazingly successful people, and they followed the five-hour rule. Now, I'm sure you know Franklin, Gates, Buffett, Winfrey. I think we can all agree they're pretty successful. However, some of you might be saying, who's Jack Ma? Well, he was one of the founders of Alibaba. And Alibaba's doing pretty well these days, including funding the last couple of Mission Impossible films. If you don't know what that is, that is Alibaba, not Mission Impossible, consider it your first assignment of being mindful and go to the internet and find out. Now, this five-hour rule was coined by Michael Simmons, the founder of Impact. Like so many powerful concepts, the idea is really pretty simple. No matter how busy they are, Successful people set aside at least an hour a day or five hours a week that can be classified as deliberate practice or learning. Now, probably the most obvious way to learn is to read. Just pick up a book on something you want to know more about, turn on your internal motor, and read. Socioeconomist Randall Bell in his book, Me, We, Do, Be, that's the name of it, He said, those who read seven or more books per year are more than 122% more likely to be millionaires as opposed to those who never read or only read one to three books a week. Now, our goal here isn't necessarily to be millionaires per se. However, to be purposeful and ultimately successful might also have a nice byproduct, a million dollars in the bank, right? I guess you don't even have to read a book to learn. Turning your motor on and finding answers to questions on the internet can be a form of learning. The collective knowledge of the world is pretty much on the internet these days. It's just there for the taken. A great place to learn, that is, if you resist clicking on those links about the Kardashians, right? They live around here, so don't even get me talking about that. In fact, to learn, sometimes you don't even need to read. An hour of reflection on what you learned at work last week or a recent seminar and taking down a few notes can be an important way to learn. Thomas Edison used to use this time to do quick experiments, putting what he learned into action. 
Jack Ma has said that he likes to take what he's learned and experiment with putting it into action in real life. Now, it's been suggested that this hour of mindfulness should be likened to working out. An hour a day or even just 30 minutes if that's all you got. It keeps you tuned up and fit, stronger and better able to handle the tasks at hand. In our case, developing and pursuing your path to financial success. What was the last book you read? Was it for pleasure or for learning? If it was for pleasure, that's okay. One of life's real pleasures is reading a good fiction book on a warm, sunny day. The last book I read was Origin by Dan Brown. Same guy that wrote The Da Vinci Code. Get it. Read it. It'll blow your mind. Just remember that it's mostly fiction. But when was the last time you consciously grabbed a book to learn something? Maybe a while? If anyone asks, I recommend The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. I've read it many times, and it's a life changer. We'll refer to it from time to time on future podcasts here, so get it. Read it if you haven't done it already. It talks about seven ways that humans can get and stay grounded in their core ideals and stay effective. It's been a bestseller for many, many years. Now, the point here is that the hour-a-day rule forces us to take some consistent action to expand our knowledge base. It causes us to be more mindful as to where we're going and what our ultimate destination might be. The more information we have on various topics, the more tools we have, and we tend to make better decisions. We need to do it on a consistent basis, because if we don't, others will slowly force their way into our process, and before we know it, we'll be pursuing their agenda, not ours. This is Dave Hagen, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagen.com. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button in your app. You will automatically get a reminder each time Dave uploads a new episode. Or you can use the app to share this episode with your friends and family. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, this is going to be fun. We've got an audio question here that came in from the website. It's an airing of our first audio question. Yeah, this should be fun. This should be fun. The Financial Wellness Podcast.com. Someone clicked on that button, send me the email, and they are now going to be on the show. So let's listen to that question. Hi, I'm Cheryl from Santa Clarita. I've been listening to your podcast on student loans. So should we never get a student loan? How do I get ahead in life. I love your podcast. They're so informational. I look forward to hearing back. Well, Cheryl, there's two questions there and let's take them in reverse order. The first is, you know, how do you get ahead? Uh, when I was growing up, uh, yeah, I had to go to college. That was the, the common wisdom, go to college to get ahead. I'm not sure that's necessarily the, um, the right way to think about it anymore. There's lots of people writing things out there about, hey, you don't need to go to college necessarily. So to get ahead, no, you don't necessarily have to go to college. Hmm, a good idea if you can, but it's not that necessary and certainly not part of the conventional wisdom that it used to be. The second thing is, uh, if you're going to get a student loan, if you need to get a student loan, you need to look at your entire educational picture. 
What kind of resources does your family have? What kind of loan? How much money are you going to need to borrow? What are you going to be able to earn? Very specifically, when you get out of school, are you willing to be locked into a certain major or a certain occupation when you get out so that you can repay that student loan? These are all things that you have to think about. You have to look at it in a holistic manner. I'm not necessarily saying stay away from student loans altogether. Certainly they had their place back when I went to school and they have a place now, but certainly not just go out and just get student loans and say, well, it's the only thing I could do. Because if you end up getting student loans like you're going to med school and you don't end up going to med school or law school and you end up doing social work, you're going to have a real problem paying for those student loans. Even if you end up in the career that you want, if you don't watch those student loans, they're going to bite you. Remember a couple of episodes we had someone, Brian, talking about, was it the orthodontist with the million dollars in debt? I mean, someone who just, you know, didn't pay attention and, and it was only 600000 in debt. But it grew to a million the with the interest. Kept, and he just... He deferred I, it. Deferred, 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 yeah, and it yeah. was over a million dollars. Killed him. Killed him. So you got to have a very specific plan, and you got to be willing to limit your choices if you're going to borrow that money. The other thing is, I don't know that necessarily everyone needs to go out and go to a big four-year branded university or school. If money's going to be an issue on your education, hey, maybe you go to a junior college for a couple of years, get the you know the prerequisites out of the way, and then you go to the branded university. There are cheaper ways to get that education these days, and it, it seems to me we ought to look at that and be more cognizant of that. At the end of the day, where you go to school is, is going to make a difference with your education, but also the, the brand on your resume and if your brand or your resume has that brand of the last two years, that's what they're going to look at. Heck, I knew some guys and gals that were going to, um, like, graduate school. They were getting into, like, Harvard. And so they were putting on their resume right at the top. Yeah, I went to Harvard. And everyone was going, wow, you must be really connected. That's quite an education. But Well, no, they went and got an MBA. Or then someone took it even further. And they went, well, I went to this six-week course on communications at Harvard. <laughs> and, and people would look at the resume and go, well, here's a Harvard grad. We'll have to pay them a lot of money. Now, What if somebody just said, yeah, I went to Harvard. Yeah, I went and visited. <laughs> went, you, you didn't ask the, you know, I went to Harvard is a true statement. I, I went, went to Harvard. I went to Harvard. Of course, if they call and look at your transcript and it's not there, <laughs> you're, you're in a deep pile. You know what? Nope, that is their fault. They did not ask the proper question. What, what's it called? Du- due diligence? Due diligence, not exactly. Their due diligence. So... Uh, there's certainly ways around that, but uh, I think that we need to, as a society, rethink what our education means and how we pay for that. Now, what what that solution is, I don't know, but I do know that a lot of what we're doing now doesn't work. There's a lot of people with a woeful amount of debt out there that's uh, growing at a market rate of interest that's non-dischargeable in a bankruptcy and really a problem. Remember, there's more student loan debt in the United States right now than there is credit card debt. And that's, that's pretty, pretty mind-boggling stuff. All right, let's uh, listen to another email. I think this one talks about uh, or has some questions about life insurance. Hello, my name is Sandra. I am calling from Van Nuys, California. I'm a single mother of three children, two of which are currently in the Navy. Um, My question today is regarding life insurance. Would like to know what the difference is between term life insurance and whole life insurance and whether or not I need it. 
Well, Sandra, first of all, um, I want to thank you for your your kids' service to the country. Two kids in the Navy, you got to be awful, awful proud of that. And uh, well done. Yeah, to be a military family and to be a um, you know a military mama, my hat's uh, really off to you. Um, but let's talk about the let's talk about the life insurance. Life insurance isn't so much insuring your life, although it's based upon your lifespan. It's really supposed to insure, at least for the most part, your income stream. So if something happens to you and your income stream goes away, do you need to replace that? Is somebody depending upon that? And I think that's the important question. If you were to have something happen to you, who depends upon you? Certainly not the two kids that are in the military. Uh, the military is going to take care of them. The country will take care of them. They'll have VA benefits and all sorts of benefits when they get out. They're going to see the world. They're going to get paid. Um, they're going to do okay. But I think I heard you said that there was another child who wasn't in the military, and I'm going to assume that that's a younger child, and I'm going to assume that that child is dependent upon you for your income stream. If that's the case, yeah, maybe, maybe you should have some, some life insurance. Now, you mentioned two kinds of life insurance. One is term and the other is whole life. Term is what you really want to think about, in my opinion. Term insures your life. It pays if something happens to you. It's an insurance policy. Whole life, on the other hand, has an investment component. You put more money in, it's more costly. It builds up some kind of a value. It's more of an investment device that also has a payoff in the event something happens to you. More expensive, you have an insurance company basically investing your money. I'm not a big fan, but I think to have term insurance until your youngest is out of the nest, if you will, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So that's what I would do. Term life insurance for your youngest. Uh, when, that, when that child's out of the house, then you don't really need to insure your life because if something happens to you, you're not really going to care so much about that money at that point, right? <laughs> you, you'd be looking down and go, ah, yes, there's some wealthy people left behind. I can't believe how many people think that they you know, need to leave behind something for their kids. And one of the ways that they try and do it, Brian, is, is with life insurance and you know, my, my thought is, hey, if you got an upbringing in education, after that, you're kind of on your own. <laughs> you don't want all your kids sitting around at Thanksgiving going, do you think she'll choke on it this year? Do you, you think this year? Come on, Daddy yeah. needs a new pair of shoes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, give her one of those spicy oh, pickles. See if she'll cough. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. All right, let's take another, uh, let's take a written email this time. Brian, what do you got? We've got one from Stephen, and Stephen writes in, Dave. I hear you talking on the podcast about not driving too fancy a car. However, here in Hollywood, it's all about how you look to others. I want to follow your advice, but I'm feeling like I can't because of my job. Any suggestions? Steven. Whoa, Steven, in Hollywood, it's all about how you look. It's all about how you look. And that's, uh, that's how I was brought up. You know, near Hollywood, we'd, we'd go walk around the Hollywood Boulevard, Vine Boulevard, and it's all how you look. It's a great big pose down in Hollywood. Fascinating, fascinating it's to watch. Fake. It's crazy stuff. And it's about the cars, too. I see people, struggling riders, riding, riding around these big old fancy cars. I see these cars that must cost 
$1,000 a month in payments, um, Rolls-Royce, Mercedes-Benz, big BMW, all over the place, Jaguar, um, all over the place. And you know that these people can't be affording these big car payments. And, you know, these are $1,000 or $100,000 cars. Who's got like $100,000 to, to drop down on a car? There aren't that many successful people in Hollywood. So, Stephen, I, I just still wouldn't do it. I mean, why, why walk on a, a tightrope and take the risk of falling just to look good? What I would do was, would be to flip to the eccentric side of Hollywood. Get an old Carmen Ghia. Get an old uh, Porsche 914, that really low flat one with the roof that comes off. Be different, be eccentric, be crazy. Make sure it looks nice, but you don't have to drive around in the big old super fancy car. It's amazing out here what you see and what happens. There's a, a Beverly Hills uh, Mercedes, and you go to pick up a car, and they, they put your name on the sign and go, welcome, Mr. Hagen, to pick up your new car. Who does that? That's the craziest thing. So, yeah, Hollywood's a big pose down. Of course, they, you know, they, they drive around a nice car, and then they go back to a, like a little apartment you know, just off of Melrose somewhere. But I think you make a great point, Dave. You know, it's, it's Hollywood. It's a story. Your, this story is this guy, is Steven. And if you have a reason that you can sell, I think that's a, a great way to, you know, to drive uh, an old car. You know, you make it a classic or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you can do that in Hollywood. You know, I, I, uh, the best man in my wedding uh, was living in a small town outside of L.A., outside of L.A., away from Hollywood. And he was driving an old blue refurbished pickup truck, which was, a, you know, light blue, baby blue. It was really a pretty car. But his partners even pulled him aside out there and said, you know, and in the law firm, we... We want you to ride a BMW <laughs> or a Benz. And he goes, you mean I can't drive around a, a car like I like? And they know we, we have an image to uphold even, even out here. So um, crazy stuff. But Steven's in a good position, though, because it's Hollywood. Like you said, it's crazy. You can get away with eccentric. Oh, yeah, you absolutely can. You know, another thought would be get like an old VW and uh, have it wrapped so it looks like a Benz or something, you know, <laughs> that plastic wrap. No one will know. <laughs> oh, man. You know, um, I've got a friend of mine who works for a big law firm out here, and, and he just doesn't care about the car so much, drives a Prius. And when he when he made partner, he, he parked his Prius in the in the partner parking lot. And I said, well, they're going to hammer you. You got to have a big car. You're going to be a part of a big metropolitan law firm. And he really didn't care. And he parks the car there. And sure enough, the first day, senior partner calls him into his office. And he says, we noticed you park your Prius uh, in our lot. And um, we want to commend you for being green. We think that's a wonderful thing. And pat on the back to you. And maybe more of us should be green. So it backfired on him. Yeah, it backfired on him. I told him, I said, you, you got to go out and get a five or seven series at least. And he goes, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to do that. So interesting how that works out. What we drive around in is a big thing out here. I remember one time I saw Muhammad Ali going down the freeway and it was a, a Rolls Royce and he was driving it himself. And a whole line of people started following him on the way to um, I think he was going to Venice. Uh, it was pretty cool, but it was pretty obvious that you know, he wanted to be seen and he wanted people to wave at him. And 
Um, he wanted to be noticed. The, the other side of the coin was uh, Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson lived on the west side, and he, um, uh, you know, the studio was out in Burbank. And um, he would drive home. He had, he had a nice car. We, we saw him at a lot, and he waved at us. I, I think we caught him picking his nose at a light. <laughs> and uh, he waved at us, real nice guy. But uh, he liked driving his own pretty understated car. He didn't really feel that he needed to be seen at that point. So there's, there's different points of view for that. But, uh, you know, I, I like the eccentric thing. I would go with the eccentric thing rather than buying the big expensive car. Although, you know, that, that's a pretty good excuse if you're talking to the wife. Hey, it, it's a requirement <laughs> of my job, honey. I got I to gotta drive that uh, red Tesla, you know. Well, hey, that's all the time that we uh, have this week. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about um, a follow-up to these darn uh, IRS calls. Interesting developments in the last couple of weeks. This is Dave Hagan, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagan.com. Until next week, This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.